0: Welcome to the Sisters of Industry, a weekly podcast where a shared bloodline combined with Divergent professional experiences set the stage for great conversation on doing work that matters. With Laura's global corporate experience and Jen's nonprofit startup experience, the Sisters will provide you with insights that can be used to help you lead and work better starting now. We're here to make you laugh, make you think, and make you more industrious in your professional and personal life.
1: I'm Laura, and my idea of a simple decision is one that is made and not revisited,
0: ever. Wait, have I ranted about this on this podcast before? I'm Jen, and the only decisions I don't like are the ones I'm not a part of. Seriously, I'm good with it. I have opinions. Our Simple series takes a turn today into the art of decision-making. Decisions are hard, but they don't have to be. How can we use the principle of simple to make decisions come easier, faster, and with an appropriate level of permanence? Listen in as we blow your mind and make decisions simple. Let's go. Laura, I love that we're talking decision-making because it is something we have covered at length before, but today we are bringing it into the simple conversation. And if there's anything we all need, it's the ability to make decision-making simpler. But before we go there, let's do what we've done before. None of us want to entirely trust our minds these days. Let's recap what we've talked about so far with simple, starting with the fact that simple is not easy, not stupid, and not reductionist. You made the statement up front in this series, Laura, that simple is smart.
1: Amen, sister. Number two in our recap, we have a natural tendency to move towards complexity. Use caution, make yourself stop.
0: Yes, and simple, when you know you're on the path to simple, it's easy to articulate, communicates broadly, prioritizes the main thing, and per Laura's request, gets things done.
1: Woohoo! I'm all about the getting (laughs) things done. It's just unbelievably obsessive. (laughs) The other day I caught myself entering a task into my phone that I had just completed so I could mark it off, and that's when you know you're moving from simplicity to complexity because you've lost your ever-loving mind.
0: But there's no judgment on that one. I do write things down to check things off. Yeah, it's a sick and twisted thing that you got to love. Okay,
1: so then (laughs) we're getting things done. Let's go to number four in this quick recap. Simplicity can make us more productive. Mm -hmm. We can do less. We need to manage our energy instead of our time. And God forbid, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to eliminate distractions. It is possible.
0: (laughs) oh my goodness okay so much goodness i know i worked hard this week on the whole do less in order to do more and it was a really good thing. I I knocked out the things I needed to get done most at work because I didn't try to do a bunch of extra stuff. Well, today we are going to turn our decision to, our decision, see what I did there? We're going to turn our focus to simple decision-making in part because we need to stop overthinking. Overthinking is the classic predecessor to complexity. And so we want to not overthink and make the room to decide and spend our time doing instead of stuck in a decision-making process. And so, Laura, I'm excited. And as per usual, we have a list of three on how to make decisions simple. So start us off, Laura. What's the first one? The first one is to have a plan. I know. You're (laughs) shocked. I was going to say, wait, let me catch my breath. Laura wants us to have a plan, everybody. (laughs)
1: So listen up, smarty pants. I'm not kidding, guys, hang in there with me. I know this goes on like the Laura always says it, here is the context in which I'm saying this. The best way to make decisions simple is to have a plan for who gets to decide and when. A lot of the complexity that we run into in decision making has nothing to do with the actual content of the decision. The complexity is found in, well, who's the one that gets to decide and when do we have to get the next level approval or when do we need a decision by? Have a plan, understand roles and responsibilities. That comes out in a lot of different ways, right? In small organizations, it might be just a very simple understanding of who gets decision rights where. In a larger corporation, it might have to do with not only decision rights, but it might also have to do with then like spend level approvals, crazy Mm -hmm. stuff like that, right? The point is, Have a plan so you know who gets to decide because suddenly then all you have to do is think about the content of the decision.
0: Exactly. Because again, if you have to sit around deciding how many people need to be copied on your email that then becomes its own extended meeting because you're trying to pass it around too many times you've made things really complicated and so again you just you do need to put this in place so everybody knows who's making which decisions I think that budget marker is a big one in most organizations ours is a lot smaller than yours but that's still a very clear thing of people know what areas of the budget they're responsible for and therefore can make decisions within and when it gets outside of that who else needs to be brought to the table and so when you overlay that decision making power with your org chart and your sense of how you function it's it it expedites it makes things simple and it also just seems like an appropriate place for me to throw in something that i know i've thrown in before but this is one i continue to catch myself on only make the decisions that only you can make the farther you have to go up in pulling people in on decisions, it means the chances are you maybe haven't empowered other people to make decisions and that's making your process more complicated as well.
1: So Jen, I'm going to allow you that rant as point 1A (laughs) under having a plan for making decisions. And I'm going to allow it because I want to have a rant too. So if 1B (laughs) under have a plan is for all that is holy people have a plan not to use email to make a decision or discuss a decision if you are using email it is to confirm information or request a direct action because all of the information has been provided it's clear who makes the decision you need final confirmation do not try to conduct a meeting via email and hitting reply all and rant
0: I love that Laura I'm glad that you ranted on that and I think that's something we need to add to our list of something that this past year of moving a lot more things virtual has taught us as well that it is a lot easier to get a group of people on a five-minute zoom call to make that decision than to spend three days exchanging emails it doesn't have to be difficult we can make that a lot simpler
1: okay so we have a plan number one we have a plan on who gets to decide when they need to decide and not to put it in email and not to make a decision that you don't need to make i love it like here's the plan it feels so simple work it it feels so simple
0: (laughs) okay well here's a second one on making your decision making simple or adding simplicity to your process you need to allow some decisions to go on autopilot here's what i mean Don't overthink the easier decisions where your precedent or your core values have already been decided. There are so many times where we bypass the fact that we set core values and even the cultural values of our organizations so that some decisions are already done. When you run into them and you put it through the filter of who you are and how you do things, you can really quickly discover that's something you decided a long time ago when you said that you were going to value better not more right like you then you exactly. put it through that and you go oh we already made that decision but you can in like without meaning to in that complicated again that natural trend toward complexity find yourself re things that you already settled
1: oh which we all know I love <laughs> Ooh, I'm kind of. <laughs> feisty today Jen I hope you're enjoying this time together you
0: are a little feisty I I kind of like this can I offer an illustration here and I try to be careful that I don't offer too many completely specific ones to to my work world but I think I have one that's just it's such a good thing um, for me and you are gonna have to forgive me um, and you're feisty so I'm taking a risk here but it is an Andy Stanley thing last year when this craziness started and churches had to stop their in-person gatherings Um, lots of shuffling that happened there and and everybody was kind of on the same page those decisions happened really quickly and truth be told were pretty simple because the options were not many decisions got a lot more complicated when we moved into the zone of are we ready to have any kind of in-person gatherings again what might that look like how do we how do we decide those things And Andy Stanley made national news for doing something that no one else did, which was, and I'm trying to remember when they did this, but it was pretty early on. They made the decision that they were not going to meet for the rest of 2020. Done. And it was easily a six-month-plus decision that they made. And when he talked about it, He said he walked through the decision making process of their team and what that meeting was like, and he said it was one of the simplest decisions they had ever made because when they thought about the ways that they value people, and that's going to come up again later in our podcast, and the ways that they function, he said eliminating that as a possibility freed their teams to then go work on all of the other possibilities that they could make happen when they didn't have to think about, are we gonna move into this? And when are we gonna move into this? And they were in waiting mode. And so he talked about the fact that making that one decision saved hundreds of decisions and got his people back to work.
1: I'm gonna allow it, even though I'm feeling feisty today, it's a great example of making one decision so that everything else can go on some level of autopilot. This entire concept of not overthinking and allowing core values and precedent or the one big decision is so important that we're going to spend the whole second half of today's podcast just talking about examples of the core value fundamental decisions that you can make that allow every other decision to get easier. So I'm looking forward to that and would invite everybody to start thinking about with that good Andy Stanley example, what's that going to look like? So Jen, I want to get to number three. And I'm going to acknowledge right now that everybody's going to go, Lord, she said that before, and it has nothing to do with a plan. (laughs) So we talked last week about one of the simple ways to be more productive is to eliminate distractions. I submit for your consideration today that one of the ways to make decisions simple is also eliminating distractions. What? I know my creativity quotient is at an (laughs) all-time high these days. Um, and. I'm saying it with humor, but I got to tell you dead seriousness, I am, however, going to suggest and Jen and I've discussed this. There's a twist on this. This is a different kind of distraction elimination that I'm putting on the table at this moment for decision making. And it's this so often when we have a decision to make, we make it more difficult, more complex by layering together multiple other decisions that are not even wholly related to the decision that you are being asked to make and potentially under pressure to make. I don't think anyone's shocked to hear this. I would use it as an example of this what happens in Washington, DC, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna use a political example. (laughs) It is all these amendments that get attached to a bill, Mm -hmm. right? Like you find yourself sometimes wondering, why is it so hard to pass a bill that is so obvious and necessary for the people of our country? Mm -hmm. It's not the bill, it's the 475 other things that are being attached to it that have added complexity. So I'm pointing to one that Republican, Democrat, independent, confused, we all, can agree about. (laughs) This is the lunacy of government, right? So let's think about how we do that as well. How often do you have a simple decision that you need to make and you layer 87 other decisions in there and then you lose sight of what you're trying to accomplish? So I want you to eliminate distractions. Get down to what is the fundamental core decision I need to make here without all the riffraff that's riding along.
0: This is so fun. Laura clearly ate her Wheaties this morning. And here's the only thing I'll add to that is that when when you add a bunch of smaller decisions, a lot of times it's not just that it's the distraction. It's also an avoidance technique of being afraid to make the big decision that you need to make by making a bunch of smaller ones. And what that does is that takes away our energy. And again, I want to go back to last week with that idea of simple productivity, we have to manage our energy more than we manage our time. And you can, you can burn a bunch of energy trying to figure out 15 things that you've layered. And it's either because you're distracted or you're trying not to make the one decision that you really need to make. And so ask yourself that question, am I avoiding something? Am I allowing myself to be distracted? And if so, eliminate those things. Get to the point. Simply make a decision. Okay, Laura, I think this is a good list. It feels really simple. I love this. Ready to make some better decisions and more simply in the process. We're going to be back in just a second with some real talk. (laughs) It's time for some real talk, and we want to stay on the theme of making decisions, being able to do so simply often translates to being able to do it quickly as well. And Laura, I think you have an incredible historical illustration of what that looks like.
1: I know everybody's impressed. I'm going to history. Clearly, I did not do this alone. And I had to consult with my resident historian. So, but there actually are presidential history is a really great place to find good decision making examples and frankly bad decision making examples right they abound there. So I'm going to go into a rather bizarre one Ulysses S Grant. He was actually known for making really quick decisions. Ron Chernow spends a lot of time actually on, in his book about Ulysses Grant covering this whole aspect of his character, which is that he was known for making quick choices. In fact, there's a Grant quote that goes as follows. I am not, but in war, anything is better than indecision. We must decide. If I am wrong, we shall soon find it out and can do other things, but not to decide, waste both time and money and may ruin everything." Like he was really clear Mm -hmm. in that quote, right? He knows he's gonna be wrong even. We talk about that sometimes where I walk in terms of work, excuse me, in terms of make decisions and move forward, knowing you're gonna go eight for 10 Mm -hmm. and getting eight for 10 is gonna keep us moving forward productively. And it's better than going one for 10 because you didn't do anything, right? Try and fail. Anyone with even a modest amount of good um, historical, particularly historical war history, knows that Grant in that philosophy made some disastrous decisions. Battle of Shiloh, Cold Harbor. These were, and these cost human lives, they were bad. On the other hand, this is someone who served two terms as our president. Um, He was incredibly accomplished and in many ways credited with the victory in in the war. That shaped our nation and he is credited with a lot of the reconstruction work that took place post war so here's a really, really incredible historical figure made some mistakes, but this principle of. I'm gonna decide and we're gonna find out um, was something that he was extremely well known for. And I'm all gonna so gonna tell everybody in the second part of Real Talk right now that there are other examples out there. And if it's been a while since you've been in elementary school and studied the Louisiana Purchase, (laughs) go check this one out. It blew my mind when John reminded me of it when we were talking about these things in prep for this episode. Louisiana Purchase, Jefferson sent his ambassadors to buy New Orleans for $10 million. We walked away from the table spending $15 million and buying essentially 30% of our country today, <laughs> a huge swap of land. It's an unbelievable story. Napoleon needed cash. He made a deal. Jefferson authorizes ambassadors, and they said, well, this seems obvious, go. Great story, and I'm gonna guess you didn't learn that part of it
0: in elementary school. I didn't, that's, and that's amazing. Right? They knew they could make that decision, that they were empowered to do something that was obvious.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's super incredible. It also just let's just step back and also giggle that that was $15 million. So (laughs) I'm not so sure I could buy. I don't I know I couldn't even buy the block I live on for that right now. So that's a pretty incredible thing. So there you go, folks. That's real talk with our presidents. As promised, Jen, we're gonna get right into the next facet of simple decisions. And we're gonna go back to the point that we made in our first segment, talking about the fact that you need to get decisions on autopilot. So we're gonna spend some time with some examples of the things you can establish both personally and as an organization that help you move towards having decisions on autopilot. So we talk all the time about establishing guiding principles that make your decisions for you. Let's talk about what some of those are. Jen, I'm going to let you go first. What's the, why is that funny? Do you think I'm setting you up?
0: No, no, you're going to let me go first. I'm excited.
1: You're, you're just thrilled. I'm passing the talking (laughs) stick to you. I understand what just happened here, Jen. A simple decision, like I just made. I'm deciding to let you go first. (laughs) What's a simple principle to help us with our decision making?
0: All right, super simple decision is and guiding principle is people first. No one is shocked that I am saying this. And if you are, then please, please listen in for a minute. Whatever industry you're in, whatever organization you're part of, whatever you're trying to do people are important. And I know that it's often said that people are your most important resource. Um, Laura clarified a few weeks ago for us in one of our early series that it's not even just that it's people, it's the relationships between your people that are a bedrock of your organization. But either way, when making decisions, people first is a filter that you have to use. Um, it's just it's a really it's a really big thing and and here's where it gets complicated and i want to name this because again we're working for simple and away from complicated is people are one of the most complicated thing on the planet and so people first doesn't always feel like a really good filter because you can end up having to decide well which people come first over others, right? Because in a lot of decisions, you're going to you're going to have to do something that helps somebody but maybe hurts somebody else. And those are tough decisions, but even in that moment, you're making a decision with people at the center. You're not ignoring what's really important. And so you've got a big decision in front of you. This number one guiding principle immediately ought to eliminate some of the possibilities. Is this bad for our people? Then this is bad for our organization. Decision done.
1: I think we see this play out around us more often than we probably credit. I mean, right now, as Jen and I are recording this episode, Um, The South is in the grip of this terrible cold snap and all this unexpected weather, particularly devastating the state of Kansas. We see this in action right now, right? The little bit of utility availability that there is, it's going to hospitals private homes, shutting down industry, right? That's an example of an autopilot decision, right? We've got to take care of our sick, our elderly, and starting to work down a decision list like that. We're seeing that happen around us, um, even when it comes to transport. And we all know that I have a background in logistics. I'm seeing some of this play out right now. What are we going to put on the few trucks that we can get on the road safely right now? We're going to put those things that are necessary for survival for people. So I offer that as a real current events example that we're watching unfold in front of us in some cases right there could be some environmental damage to some short-term decisions that are being made Um, it's going to be destructive for some non-essential businesses certainly Um, you know there are various ways in which there are downsides but it's so easy when you know we're going to protect people first and I think that's applicable in a lot of places so there's a really great example of a guiding principle that puts decisions on autopilots Um, separately but somewhat related The next one that I think of very often is having a core value of integrity or transparency, but having a very clear standard set personally or within your organization that says, we will act with the utmost integrity, we will be transparent about the choices we make. And if something like that exists for you, that also makes decisions very, very clear people know right away that if there is a way to go about solving a problem that may not be on the up and up or it requires withholding information that you would be embarrassed if it were to come out something to that effect that is going to be a non-starter and letting that known up front and saying hey we're going to make the upfront ethical decisions right out of the gate always we are going to act we are going to err on the side of integrity and transparency, that takes a lot of options off the table, especially in that God forbidden gray area that people struggle in a lot. Suddenly you just took even the, that huge, vast gray area for decision-making can be off the table because you're like, you know what? We're staying fresh as the wind-driven snow. We're gonna always <laughs> land over here in the, we did this with integrity.
0: And I wanna not run past the fact that you're pairing integrity and transparency Because I don't know that that's a given for everybody. I I think that there are a lot of spheres that we worked in for a very long time where transparency hasn't been valued as highly as it needed to. And people often portrayed um, a sense of integrity in their business, but still the idea that there's things happening behind closed doors that you don't need to know about. And we've seen example after example of abuse and all kinds of other things take place because transparency wasn't valued highly enough. And so I think not only knowing that you could explain the decision and being transparent about that, but being proactive in the transparency process often helps in your decisions too. If you're already not saying if I have to explain it, but instead explaining it, You're going to find out really quickly if you're making your decision too complicated. Because again, back to our caution flag week one, if you're going, oh, it's too hard to explain. Nope, you've you've made it complex. And so giving this guiding principle of transparency forces you quickly into the here's what we're doing. And if I can explain it, oh, my goodness. Wow. That decision was easier than I thought because I'm forcing myself to articulate it at every step along the way.
1: If you're, not on, if you're not willing to own it publicly, why are you willing to make that decision behind closed doors? And I think that's so important. This is a case where social media can provide a litmus test even for you, right? Mm-hmm. Social, we, we say a lot of bad things about social media, but a positive would be that it's given us all this frame of reference that, you know, if it appeared on social media that I made this decision or that we made this choice, would we be okay with that? that kind of a litmus test is really powerful in decision making so a lot of passion behind this one we could probably go on for about 42 podcast episodes about it especially when i'm in the feisty zone right now so people first integrity and transparency quite honestly i'm just going to say it i think these are two examples of guiding principles that help you make decisions that I would encourage everyone to be considering how you make them real in what you do. Now, we're going to offer a couple others that are, you know, a little bit more pick and choose, but they give you some examples when you start to get more granular, one of which would be, I'm going to say the principle of follow through. (laughs) We do what we say we're going to do. Now, I think we all know that this is my jam, right? But I think this is another example of something that makes trend, decision-making simpler. If I know that if I make a commitment to something or I decide to go in one direction and we are fully committed to follow through and doing what we said we're going to do, that decision might become simpler because ease of implementation, realistic level of implementation, these things suddenly all become very real, right? You're not going to make a decision that is riddled with complexity that you can't deliver on.
0: It's, it's really big. It's really big. And I mean, the ready example that I have is I've talked on before on this podcast about the fact that our church is in a building process and all along the way, these are, I hate that I'm saying, these are complicated processes, um, building buildings and doing that kind of thing. It's not simple, um, but we need to make it as simple as we can along the way. And as someone who's in the position of not only leading the process itself, but then also being on the other side where I have to consistently communicate and and bring a large group of people along that aren't in the day-to-day of it. Follow-through becomes really important because it allows you to make decisions, communicate them, and then following through on it helps you from getting lost along the way. And so, One of the things we made really clear right before the pandemic started was that our next step was to finish paying for our land. And we had a plan to do that. Well, then the pandemic hit and lots of things shifted and we were able to do some different parts of our building process. And there were several places along the way, though, where we were having to make decisions about how to allocate resources, what we were preparing for next. But one of the things that stayed in front of us was the fact that we had made a decision to finish paying for the land so that we had an asset free and clear that made us mobile and ready and that continued to guide the rest of our decisions. So again that guiding principle of once you decide something yes you have to be willing to change but once you decide some of those big things stick with it and follow through that can really help you make all the other decisions a lot simpler.
1: I really like it. It's a great point. Obviously, I really like it. I started it. It's a big one for me. But you know, <laughs> even without that kind of bias, it's still pretty fabulous. Jen, here's another one I want to hit us with. Okay. So I want to talk about growth as one of our simple decision making guidelines or guiding guiding principles. And what I mean by this one is the fact that if you say, hey, We're about growth, whether it's the personal development kind of growth or revenue growth, operating profit growth, whatever kind of growth you want to make that about. If you know what the item is you're targeting that you want to improve upon, you've established for yourself a principle to make decisions that's important. If I want to grow my membership, I'm going to decide things that will make us attractive for others to come to what we are doing, if you're a gym or a church, right? If you want to um, grow your revenue, you are going to make very customer-focused decisions as an organization, right? Mm -hmm. If you're interested in growing employee retention, you are going to make decisions that are very employee favorable around how you handle compensation and how what you do in growth. If you personally have a guiding principle that says, I'm of a growth mindset, I want to continue to grow as a person, you're going to make decisions about how you spend your time and money that enable that growth. So this one's a little bit different. It's an optional, right? And it has many branches, right? Where do you want to grow? How do you want to grow? Understand and set that. And that, again, lets some decisions just start to fold right into place.
0: And I think growth is actually its own illustration of simply having clear priorities. I think, again, uh, when we talk about guiding principles, you're really talking about your core values as an organization, your cultural values as an organization, and your known priorities that you have to own, you have to acknowledge that we have a bias in these directions. And as soon as you do that, a lot of times, for whatever reason, we try to hide that because again, we wanna keep lots of people happy, but we have to acknowledge our priorities because if your priority is growth, if you have a priority of growth, then own it. We want to grow. We want to be able to do more things. We want to be able to reach more people. If that's a known priority, name it, because then it's easier to make the decisions that follow it. If you have a different priority, if your priority is, you know, depth of connection or, you know, level of service, whatever that is, you've got to nail that. And so, again, I think what we're talking about is if you want to make decisions simple, Find a way to build another matrix. This all goes back to Laura's have a plan. Not only knowing who's making the decisions and when, but how you make your decisions. What are the guiding principles that get you there? And so we've offered a couple, but would encourage everyone this is your homework for this week, everyone to take some time and think through. What are some of your guiding principles? Even personally, do you have guiding principles that set the tone that can make it easier and simpler for you to make decisions? Our walk down memory lane is going to help all of us think of warmer times as most of our country is currently not very warm unless you're down in Miami. They have stayed in um, the warm sunshine while a lot of our nation has been freezing and frozen. But I want to take us to a warmer place and it's the, the decision about summer vacation. And I, I can openly acknowledge here that our family has not always been the best at decision making, partly because we have a family of decision makers and so a decision about where to go to dinner can even become quite an epic thing unless Laura already made the spreadsheet not joking everybody but there was a very simple decision we made every year and it was where to go on vacation Laura where'd we go
1: As kids, we always went to Stone Harbor, New Jersey. And folks, I'm not talking about like, this is the general beach we went to. We went to Stone Harbor. We stayed on these same white house, (laughs) three blocks off of the beach. We took turns every other year with which half of the house we had between my mom's sister's family and our family. We knew where everything was. Like, this is what we did. And that is not to say, That we had repeat boring family vacations we look back at those as magical wonderful things but i think this is a great example of a beautiful memory and decisions made simple our debate was never about where are we going it was about how soon can we get there and what should i pack Um, which made it i think all the more special because there wasn't a lot of like mental exhaustion around where to go and even now years and years later We did make a decision to change our quote, family beach um, a few years ago. And it was a big family decision when we find, I'll never forget the year. Um, We now go to Holden Beach in North Carolina and I'll never forget the year that mom and dad kind of looked at each other and we were all around and they're like, this is our beach now. Um, And we made the decision to go, but here we are and there's no question anymore about where we go on vacation. It's beach time. We are headed to Holden Beach, North Carolina. We love it there because it's a nice, quiet, simple family beach, and Jen, as I was thinking about this memory, the only thing that I can say to improve upon it in the spirit of simple decision making is that I think we need to discuss picking the same week every year so we don't even ever have to debate date.
0: I'm glad you brought that up, Laura. That's that would actually help us all a lot. Um, that would be that would be a big thing. So we'll have to report back to everyone on whether we're successful in that. And the only other thing I would add is that back in our Stone Harbor days, the other thing that was always on the table and never a difficult decision was that in the evenings we were going to Springer's for ice cream, and I never had to debate and contemplate what I was getting. It was banana fudge every. Single time, and so when we made the shift from Stone Harbor to Holden Beach, I feel like the only thing we missed was we missed a clear decision on our new ice cream location to accompany the beach location. And so we're still we're still working on that. Work in progress. We'll report back.
1: I, Jen, I have to remind you that we went for ice cream this past year as we were there on Mom's birthday, and that place was pretty awesome so we may have
0: found it decision made check if you liked it i liked it we're in
1: okay all right for discussion later we will reveal to our (laughs) listeners once it is fully four star or five star qualified by our entire family we love beach vacations and look forward to being on one very very soon and this was memory lane
0: Thanks so much for listening and joining in with us today as we talk about simple, simple not being easy or stupid or reductionist, but instead a way to make our lives less complicated. We hope this episode has made you laugh, made you think, and helped you grow in your industrious life. As always, it means so much to us when we hear back from you, when we get your feedback. So leave a review, send us a message. We want to hear from you.